Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. It's episode 586. Got a great panel, got some great stories. Um, I am going to let the panel quickly introduce themselves. Um, I'm going to let Vito, friend of the show, introduce himself. Vito, would you like to do that? Hello, everyone. It's good to be back. And I'm Vito. I'm the founder of Atarim, uh, which is a platform that helps uh, freelancers and agencies that build websites for clients uh, deliver project fast through collaboration and project management. That's great. And I've got Uncle Spencer. Uncle Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, everybody. Spence from WPLaunchify.com. Actually, people think you are my uncle, actually, Spencer. Well, we don't like to talk about it because your sister and I don't talk as much anymore as we used to before you were born and so forth, but it's nice. I know I've been a embarrassment for many years, but there we go. Uh, um, John, would you like to introduce yourself? John from Lockdown Design and SEO. That's great. And we've got Heather. Heather joining us. Would you like to introduce yourself, Heather? Yeah, I'm Heather Renzi from The Difference Consulting and author of Birth of a Unicorn. And um, before we go into the main stories and announcements, I, I just want to talk about our major sponsor. That is Custos. Um, they're a uh, podcast hosting company, but much more. It's all built on WordPress technology, great interface. Um, I was looking to move my... my um, podcasting um, platform provider. Um, I paid my money. I got into discussions with them. I mentioned that I was looking for a major sponsor, and they said, we want to be that, Jonathan. Um, it was be- a beautiful partnership. And um, they, all I can say about their customer service is it's blind, but it's amazing. And the interface compared to the platform which I was using is in a different world, the UX design. So if you're looking to get into podcasting or you're advising clients, you need a good RS feed and a good platform. And that's what you're going to get with Castos. And by the way, they're about half the price of the competition. So um, it's a win-win. So go over there, tell them that you heard about them on the WP Tonics site, and that helps them and helps the show. So Vito, you were mentioning somebody in the community has recently died and you wanted to mention it. So over to you, Vito. Yes. So uh, Puneet Chalot, who is uh, uh, the founder of Idea Box. Um, unfortunately, uh, um, died from a car accident uh, on Saturday, and it was very young. And I got to meet uh, Punit at uh, some of the word camps back in 2019. And since then, we had a few calls uh, together. And I just found him a very kind person, a very uh, driven person. Uh, that uh, was one of the one of the. Um, um, inspiring people that I managed to, that I got in touch with uh, within the community. But I also think that his persona is a great 
personification of our community, just being kind, hardworking, uh, making sure that he shares his knowledge as much as possible. And he was a great friend, and I'm very sorry for his loss, uh, for for his passing. And uh, yeah, just condolences to everyone involved. That's fantastic, and it's always very sad to hear of somebody of such a young age dying suddenly like that. My condolences go to his family and and his friends. So on to something more light-hearted. Let's go on to story one. Um, a continuing of the saga of Wix against WordPress. Dear Matt Bailweg, another open letter from the Wix CEO. Uh, I'm not even going to attempt to uh, uh, veto. How do you pronounce this, gentleman? Well, I don't have this this uh, article. I have uh, other ones here in front of me. All right. Yeah. Spencer, you want to attempt this gentleman's name? Avishai Abrahami. Avishai right. Abrahami. Abrahami. Right. That is a mouthful for a 76th Um, So there we go. Um, so, Heather, do you want to have a, do you want to have a, a go at this? Have these two gentlemen, even though they've got great responsibilities, maybe got a little bit too much time on their hands. Well, I think, I mean, I've talked about uh, how Wix, so this article is about Wix and um, WordPress and and the um, friendly or not so friendly, I guess, rivalry that they've had over the years. Um, And and the thing that is important about this article is that uh, the CEO of Wix is is writing to to Matt Mullenweg and and saying that like hey stop hating on Wix like we're here uh, we're fulfilling a need in the market and um, there are people that use us for the things that that we do and you're you're being I mean you're you're basically defaming us for stuff that's not true and uh, he's pointing out that that like when they're talking about WordPress, when, when they're com- comparing Wix to WordPress, they're not lying. <laughs> they're not being, they're not misinforming people. And that's important. Uh, I mean, it's, it's important when, like, especially in today's uh, world that, that you're, you're transparent about stuff. So like when, when Wix is, uh, I mean, he's, he's just flat out saying, Matt, like, it, it's okay to have a friendly rivalry. It's okay to, to say like, you think your company is better because of certain things, but don't say, don't flat out lie about, about Wix. And I think that's, that's the point of this. So yeah, I mean like Wix is for certain people and WordPress is for certain people and there's room in the market for both, but like lying about your competitors is never right. That's a really interesting. Um, so, Vito, would you agree with Heather that you know that Wix have got a point that what was said about them isn't really based on truth compared to their remarks, which are opinion but are based on on facts. So, like this kind of, um, it seems like it's it's all it's all coming from this latest uh, campaign that Wix uh, went out a couple of weeks ago, uh, uh, mentioning the fact that, um, or they just ran a bunch of ads, sent uh, sent letters 
Maybe even Gagwan, Jonathan, uh, if if you were lucky. Enough. No, I don't, I don't. You know, I've got the leading <laughs> podcast in the WordPress space. Been running it for five years. I've, I've almost over four thousand a month downloads, but no, I'm not on their radar, Vito. <laughs> I wasn't considering influencer in the WordPress space at all, Vito. You know, <laughs> no headset, no T-shirt, nothing, Vito. <laughs> So we, first of all, you need to email uh, weeks straight away. Yeah. And you can be like, this is episode 586 and I didn't even get a lousy t-shirt. <laughs> you know, it's, it's only been going for five years, the bloody podcast. I think it's the longest consecutively running work, focused WordPress podcast. That, no, maybe the uh, A to Z of plugins and Matt, the Matt report. Um, I don't know. I've, I think they started before me, um, but I've, I've been churning out the episodes, haven't I, folks? So, but no, no t-shirt, no yeah. headphones, nothing. Veto. I'm not, I'm not bitter, am I, Vito? <laughs> it doesn't sound like it. Uh, but uh, when it comes to the point uh, of, of uh, you know what they were making on these ads, it's true. You know, it's uh, it's. It's like, uh, you know, WordPress is um, is this kind of a bit of deformed baby that you love because it's yours, uh, you know. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so it has its quirks, you know, but we all kind of learn to work around them and learn to work with them. Uh, uh, so, but what they were pointing out was true. Um, there is place for rivalry, and I think their campaign, as much as it kind of stings us, and, and it, it apparently feels like they don't really know our community, they don't know what this community is about. So, like you know, obviously we didn't take it too well, uh, but we were all talking about this. We're you, you, you know a bunch of people waiting for the headphones to come in the mail, uh, so that's uh, so it worked in, from a marketing aspect. I, I have absolutely, but no, <laughs> I have I have absolutely no idea why Matt Merweg gave them all, even responded, gave these people even two minutes of his consciousness, you know, to say that their market, just, their, uh, market, their market share is insignificant compared to WordPress would be a slight understatement. What do you reckon, Spencer? Well, let me finish my point. I agree, I agree with this uh, in terms of market share, but it is a point. You know, when I was building websites for clients, Wix came up as an example of like, why is this website? Why are you charging like this? Wix is free. My answer was go and build your own website on Wix if you want, you know. Uh, but um, uh, but the, the, the idea is that the, the game that they're starting to play now, I think it actually creates uh, uh, creates nice um, rivalry, nice conversation from both of these platforms. So I understand why he gave the time to actually respond to these uh, messages. He's, uh, he's trying to be the leader of the community, if you, or one of the leaders of the community, if you will. So he has to stand up for, uh, for his default baby, really. Um, and, um, and, and, you know, talk, uh, talk on his behalf. And I see that. When it comes to lying, I had this experience myself with uh, some competitors that still have pages on their websites that are just like completely wrong. And that is just annoying. Uh, I'm not going to go out and send emails and write public uh, articles about about this. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, just do your thing. 
and everything will work out. You know, I think that's my mentality. So I'm going to blow all of your minds. Maybe not Heather's, because I think Heather already knows this stuff because she's in that space. Let's play a little game for our listeners. <clears throat> Once upon a time, there were two little companies. One of the companies took a shit ton of venture capital money, maybe $600 million or something, $670 million, And it had annual revenues in 2020 of either $120 million or nearly a billion. Let's say that little company was automatic. Which is the revenue figure for 2020 of that little company that took 600 million of venture capital? Was it nearly a billion dollars or was it 122 million dollars? Anybody? Raise a hand if you think it's the lower number. Okay. <laughs> Raise your hand if you think it's the higher number. Okay. Heather's undecided or not playing my game. Well, here's the bad news for. Heather doesn't play games. Here's the bad news. Here's the bad news for the people who think that taking venture capital money and then getting into fisticuffs with another company as if they were your, you know, deadbeat little cousin that keeps bothering you goes bad. Automatic took in $600 million and after 2020 had $120 million of revenue. Wix, on the other hand, had nearly a billion dollars of revenue. Seven times, maybe eight, depending on how you round it off. So for Matt to go out and pretend like he's the big brother and his little nephew or something is bugging him is freaking hilarious to me because the Wix founder acted like the adult in the room and has absolutely true points about, wait a second, big brother, you were the one that started doing this to us and you're the one that copied us and you're the one that did these things. So it really doesn't reflect well on the person who shall be nameless who runs automatic because he's borrowed five times more money than they made in revenue still. Whereas the other guy, I don't know what their, I don't know what Wix's VC borrowing is. I can look here. Their liability sheet shows that, uh, I don't know. It doesn't even show. Long-term debt, uh, not, not more than they're making. I can't make a guess without taking a moment to read it. But let's just say they're not known for the fact that they took $600 million. So long story short, my little game aside, I find this whole thing very telling because Wix could very easily make all kinds of, you know, look at you guys kind of comments. And they don't. They just get on with their shit. And that's that. I think that was thank you for that, Spencer. I think you just explained very coherently why Matt Manweg got so upset in a way. I, I think we just found out the reason, really. Oh, it's three three hundred million dollars, roughly. The Wix shareholder equity was 0.3 billion dollars. So let's call it. I, I don't know if that's the right number. If that's the right, they are listeners and viewers. We have, I think, thrown light on the mystery in a way. Uh, I, I don't think you would have found out on a yellow podcast, John. Any last remarks about this? Yeah, I, you know, honestly, I didn't like Matt's or the person. I didn't like their comment about, you know, comparing this to an abusive relationship, locking people in the basement. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a bit too far. Uh, really, I, really. You know, dude, it's software. It's, it's software. It's, it was, you don't, you don't talk like that. But um, the the Wix CEO, they really did kind of. I, I I really think that they thought this out a lot better than people give them credit for. 
because yeah, well, he, came with, he came with facts. He didn't. He didn't return to. He didn't uh, resort to name calling, saying like it's dirty tricks um, or things like this. And quite honestly, this campaign, people played into this campaign. They fell for this thing. They're like, oh, we'll never use Wix. But, you know, but people were getting all in their feelings about not getting headphones. Like, it was like a validation. Like, if I didn't get headphones, like, you know, I'm not worthy. Um, But, and all the people who did get it, they tweeted about it. This is money well spent for Wix. I mean, and the WordPress community, like the influencers and stuff, not the target. The target is the people who are going to build their uh, website from scratch. And Wix is getting free publicity. And everyone from the CEO of Automatic on down has played into this. And we're doing it right now. So I I think they really did think this out a little bit better than people are giving them credit for by the way, two things just to fill in: three hundred ninety-one million dollars of liabilities on the balance sheet of Wix, which I assume is accounting for, you know, the the VC investment, if there is such a thing still. But it's an Israeli company, and I think that accounts for something as well. Because I can let's leave it to you know Vito to speak to this, but like <laughs> the companies that are doing some of the most progressive stuff coming out of Israel, and if you understand the mindset and the the like the culture there, it isn't surprising how this thing is unfolding because these guys are like, you know, look at Vito. I mean, it's like, come, let's have fun, hang out, we can all make money, blah, blah, blah. Why can't we all get along? Let's make, you know, that's how it works. And Matt isn't getting the joke. I'm sorry, the man who runs automatic isn't getting the joke, so to speak, because I don't see any reason with Wix's balance sheet this incredibly strong why they would even want to be in any kind of fisticuffs with WordPress. They're not really competing. Well, they are competing with them. Like when it comes to revenue, yes, of course. Uh, the, the like it's a it's a SaaS business for Wix, so it's a completely different model compared to WordPress as an open source project. But the market share is there, so um, it's only natural for a company to try and bite into the market share. I wouldn't be surprised to see Shopify running a campaign. Uh, about WooCommerce or uh, or something like that, you know, makes sense. That's the nature of the game. We're in business. You say it does. Oh, one last thought too. I would like to see numbers of this forty percent that we always are very very proud of. Like we're part of the forty percent. You know, we're in the community, so you know we need to like feel very good about this. How much of that is on WordPress.com? And is that a number that's comparable? Yeah, I know. Is that a number that's comparable to Wix and Squarespace? Because that is what the product roadmap is for, is to compete as the um, SaaS-hosted platform against those two. The self-hosted part of it is an enormous part of that. But the the real battlefield is for uh, their hosting on .com. And And that's the number... That I don't know what it is, but I would imagine it's a not that much. I, I that you know, John brings up another interesting point, which is something I've harped on, but like before we just let's close the door on it, is that that is one of the primary difficulties with uh, the naming convention, but also the business model of WooCommerce, uh, sorry, of WordPress. 
Nobody who comes into this understands, because it doesn't exist elsewhere, with maybe one exception, that there's WordPress.com, which is a hosted model, but yet not really a closed platform because you can still add in certain plugins, but not other plugins. And, you know, like you have to understand it in detail. And then there's WordPress.org. When you look at how the company operates, it's also not clear like Wix. All the revenue in Wix is coming from Wix.com, the platform, just like Weebly or Squarespace or anything. Whereas in WordPress, there's a mysterious, like, where's the money coming from? Because we have this huge ecosystem of the .org, which is coming from third parties, but somehow Jetpack tries to get its hooks into there. And yet when they talk about the real revenue, the $120 million, it's kind of from VIP hosting and other VIP services on .com. So I would argue that while obviously we love the platform and there's all this potential, that WordPress sort of has the greater liability here because they're not as focused on like everybody understanding this is WordPress. They've split themselves into two personalities and you got to understand which day of the week it is and where you're coming from to use either one of them because neither one of them is really as focused and as clear. You go to Wix or Squarespace, Weebly, uh, Shopify, you know exactly what you're getting. Not true with WordPress. Great, yeah. Thanks for that. On to the next story. Um, Amazon and Apple, Google and Facebook signed public letters supporting voting rights. What did you think of this one, John? Racism is bad for business. And it's really, really sad that corporations, greedy, greedy corporations, are the ones that are kind of standing in the way of this. Because some of these politicians, like, they'll obviously, the most important thing to them is maintaining white supremacy. And all these voting acts that are making it harder and harder to actually, for people to just vote, you know, ripping out ballot boxes, making it illegal to give you a bottle of water as you're standing in line to vote, closing voting places in predominantly black and Latino neighborhoods. That's all, you know, these attempts to suppress the vote. But if you look at the long history of America, United States, this is not uncharacteristic. I mean, a lot of people are saying, like, why is it, why is it like this? So, you know, it's, it's just very sad that the corporations might be the major roadblock to these attempts to uh, go back to the Jim Crow era. But like I said, they've determined in 2021, maybe this would have been different 70 years ago. But in 2021, they have determined that racism is very bad for business. Yeah, so, um, Heather, why do you think, you know, Amazon, through their anti-trade union activities um, and, you know, these, com- these companies are no, no friend of organised labour or... Um, of any kind of real improvement in workers' conditions, are they? Why, why do you feel, is it just a publicity to help with their, the way that people think they, they are? Is that why they've done this, Emma? Uh, I mean, I think that in general, the, I mean, while Amazon has, has issues with their 
uh, automation with their their pick facilities with I mean, with their driver. I mean, their Amazon and and the uh, other people named in this article, uh, Google and, and Microsoft and all of these uh, companies, they, they definitely have labor issues to deal with on their own. But the the problem happening in Georgia and, and Pennsylvania and, and other states uh, where they're keeping people, I mean, where they're disenfranchising voters, where, where uh, voter rights are, are being voted out of, of the constitutions of the states. That's something that as humans, uh, as, as U.S. citizens, as, as people like, I mean, we need to just take a stand first and fix. And, and then we can go back to fighting about like, okay, well, do corporations have the rights to, to deal with these things for their workers? Because if, if we don't take a stand about what's happening with the country, then the next, like, then these corporations may lose the powers that they have to, um, to do business here. So realistically, these corporations have more financial power altogether than our government does. And back, uh, back when our, our, um, constitution was written when the declaration of independence was written when like all the way back like they were written so that no one man like i mean these the militias would would not be able to rise up or would be able to rise up and take over the government if something happened well the u.s like if you look at the people right now there's no way that like you could get neighbors to agree um, enough to stand up and rise against the government. I mean, even when they tried to, like it fizzled out in a, an hour, you know, the, there's like, there's no way that we would have a civil war against like with, with I, I just want to, I was just, no, no, um, no, sorry my point is, my point is mm-hmm. that the corporations have to do this. Like if somebody's going to make change in government, it's going to be the corporations. And that's why, they're standing up, even if they didn't, like, e- even if they like haven't cleaned out uh, their own basements, <laughs> like even if there's skeletons in the closet, they need to stand together on something like this. So, Vito, um, I'm just puzzled why, because I, I I might be very cynical, Vito. I don't really think these companies really care shit about. Um, the Constitution of uh, the United States of America. These are global. These are global companies with a, a global attitude. You know, um, listeners and viewers, there's been an ongoing dispute in the UK with British Gas that um, sacked over five thousand um, gas engineers a couple of days ago. So there's a big um, hoo-ha in the UK over that, isn't it? You know. Why do you think they've done this? Because am I being totally cynical, or can you at why they've done it, Vito? I think you are uh, really because um, why not? You know, they have the power and uh, they have the the people to actually stand for these things. When you look at uh, at, at corporate culture uh, in tech. It's a lot about diversity. It's a lot about uh, building the cult- the right culture within. 
Uh, and I think that as these companies really, like Heather is saying, they have uh, more more power than uh, governments nowadays. Um, I think that this culture, this internal new corporate culture, it's not it's not the financial corporate culture. You know, it's a completely different ball game. Uh, is uh, is starting to shift out of those companies and with those kinds of uh, initiatives. So. Um, Really, I'm all up for it. If uh, if uh, the government won't do it because of uh, they because they can't, who is gonna tell Google and Microsoft that they can't? You know, I understand from a, pol- a politician point of view why they can't, even though it's bad. But this is what's wrong with politics. Uh, with companies, it's actually you said it right that it's good for business. But I also think that it's um, it's a matter of uh, internal culture that is. Uh, uh, you know, echoing out, you know, for them being globalized, mm. them being uh, diverse and stuff like this. So, Spencer, am I totally um, cynical? Because I just, I just consider this a glorified PR exercise. And the only, the only thing these companies are interested in, and I mean only, is the color green. And that's the end of the matter. I think the answer to the question lies in what both well, all of you guys kind of alluded to and specifically like Heather spoke to, is that if you look at the nature of politics in America today that that leads to these kinds of behaviors, you could see very clearly, and let's just call it what it is, the Republican Party is a pro-racism party. And furthermore, because of it being in disarray, its members, especially the newer ones, have decided that it's in their own selfish best interests to essentially do or say anything they can in order to stay in power as a diminishing number of white people, mostly white males, but now a few white females who are pro-gun. And the reason that they need to do that is they have been proven from back in the Gingrich days all the way forward that their voters don't have long-term memories, don't care about hypocrisy. They just basically are a smaller and smaller set of Americans who are racist at their core, which is sad. Now, the corporations kick in on this because the corporations only care as long as it's news. So, for example, today in Georgia, everybody pulls out. As soon as the news dies down, they're going to trickle back in. That's how it's going to happen. The only way that this ever gets solved is if enough people have enough outrage, which thankfully that seems to be happening, about the problems with police violence, the problems with blatant racism, the problems with core fundamental voter rights. What I find really ironic is how obvious, if anybody is objectively looking at the history, this cycle goes. I mean, I'm sure there are good Republicans somewhere still. And even John Boehner, who used to be a total a-hole, looks like a saint. George Bush II looks like a saint. Because in comparison to today's people, at least they had the integrity to say, we are not doing this just for our own political power. We're doing it for some higher moral purpose. But right now... You can just see the cycle with the COVID, with the financial crisis, with the debt, with the racism, with the police violence. When the power shifts back to Democrats, a greater number of Americans across the spectrum of race and and, and economic levels benefit. And when it goes to Republicans, it's this entire Tucker Carlson mindset of like up is down and down is up and, you know, and then you mix into it the Mac Gateses and the rest of the hypocrisy about things like you know, child abuse and, and misogyny and rape and incest. And it's like, my God, how could we possibly have a country this 
diametrically opposed. And as Heather pointed out, guess what? The almighty dollar is the only thing that pulls the needle over uniformly because as soon as Coca-Cola or MLB or anybody else says, see you later, Georgia, all of a sudden, well, wait, we weren't really serious about locking kids in cages and, you know, giving guns to felons and stuff like that or taking away your voting rights. And that lasts as long as the news keeps on showing that story. So it's it's sad, but it's just, as a 54-year-old, exhausting because I've been around long enough to see how this works through several shifts of administration. I just wish people would just start to come out and say, I'm Republican, I'm a racist, and own it because that's basically what it is. I can't see how anybody could be a Republican and not consider the sums a racist, with the exception of maybe these few mea culpa people, right? Like you've got your Mitt Romney, you've got your... Cheney, you've got your John Boehner who, who, like, hey, I'm old school. I don't agree with these guys, but I don't have enough power to change it. And I don't think anybody in the Republican Party can go back to what it was. Hello, oh, yeah. Thanks for that. Um, what a witch's brew. Um, we're going to go for our break and we're going to come back with some other stories about tech. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Launch Flows turns your WooCommerce website into a selling machine. We make it easy to create gorgeous sales funnels, no friction checkouts, order bumps, upsells, downsells, and much more. Gain full control over your buyer's journey from the top of your WooCommerce sales funnel all the way to the bottom. Best of all, you can use your favorite page builder, such as Elementor, Divi, Beaver Builder, Gutenberg, or one of the high converting templates we've included inside. Get rid of the clunky WooCommerce shop pages and checkout process in favor of an optimized buyer flow that instantly increases conversions and makes you more money. LaunchFlows provides one-click order bumps that increase the total value of every sale with a 10 to 30% conversion rate. This is perfect for anyone offering complimentary products, training, or extended warranties. With unlimited upsells and downsells, your buyer's journey doesn't need to end at the checkout. Instead, we make it easy to display a series of additional offers as part of the original transaction. This is perfect for one-time offers, related products, mastermind class offers, high-ticket software sales, or subscription supplements. Not an expert? Don't worry. We've got the training and the consultation you need. WP Launchify will teach you how to get the most out of launch flows with personal consultation on WordPress, WooCommerce, marketing automation, and much more. If you want to earn more money with your WooCommerce online business, you owe it to yourself to try launch flows today. We're coming back. We've had, we've had a mixture of stories. I think it's been an interesting discussion. Um, where else would you get this, folks? <clears throat> Good or bad? Uh, um, before we go on to our next story, another great um, sponsor of the show, and that's Comfort Versio, our um, great hosting provider. Our, um, I think one of the stories that we are going to be talking about might be about them. Uh, um, I'm not sure. Uh, oh, yes. Um, it's number five if we get there. Um, but they they are a WordPress-only hosting provider. Um, the founder came on the show a, a few weeks ago, showed me the back end and what, what they have to offer, and it was very impressive. And their focus about really providing 
really great service. So, Vito, they hosted your great virtual conference, didn't they? Um, and it was a great success, wasn't it, Vito? And they were really fantastic partners, were they not? They were amazing partners. Last time, uh, last time we tried to take the hosting uh, on our own, and that uh, f- uh, failed miserably. Uh, on the first day, the whole platform crashed, and uh, you know we were running on uh, like two hundred and eighty requests per hour, uh, two hundred and eighty thousand requests per hour. And so, like uh, at this scale, it's a completely different ball game. And back then, Tom from Convesio was uh, spo- was sponsoring the event, and he was the one that got us back on track within minutes. It's just like, send me the FTP. I'm gonna move everything over, and we got back on. Uh, on we got on Convesio even last year, and from there on, it was smooth sailing. So, like the the cool thing about their platform is that it is. Um, uh, um, it's designed for scale, so like you know, I wouldn't use it for uh, for those standard that you know standard basic yeah. uh, small business uh, websites because it is overkill for uh, for these kind of stuff. But if you have a website that has a lot of traffic, if you have a website that has uh, spikes in traffic, you know, like let's say you're going on Shark Tank or something, you're not going to show how that's going to work out. Then that's when load balancers, the distributing into different nodes, that's where these things really come into play uh, um, very effectively. And I think that the uh, are the only guys in in the space currently that are doing this thing. Yeah, I can I compare them to Pagely in some ways too. Right. Both great companies. And they're offering you, um, if you've got a a website that needs that type of performance or you've got clients that need it, they're offering a great offer. If you go to the WP Tonic website, you'll see that one of their banners on there, it click it or take you to a landing page. And this is an amazing offer. They're offering 30% of all their plans for the lifetime of the plan. Um, and you can only get that through WP Tonic. So I suggest that you should take it up. So on to the next story. Um, recent patches rock Alameda ecosystem. What did you think of this one, Spencer? This comes from wordfence.com. It does seem to have been almost a quite almost like an avalanche of these recently, doesn't it? Well, I mean, the, the mechanical reason I would surmise based on writing a plugin that works off of Elementor is that, <clears throat> first of all, Elementor is a huge, huge ecosystem mm-hmm. of people making add-ons. So whereas you might have one accessory maker or two in some places, you have like dozens and dozens and dozens. Second of all is that, you know, after version 3.0, Elementor has been very dynamically upgrading how they do stuff. And all credit to the company. I mean, Ben and his team are just doing like amazing stuff, but like, Think of that compared to the Gutenberg team, I have to say it. When you move fast and you move furious, there's room for the bad guys to come in and sort of like find out where you left the door open or something. And I just see that that's happening. However, I like the fact that in the WordPress ecosystem, we now have the auto updates. And furthermore, WordFriends is doing a tremendous job. It's a plugin that I originally never used to install. And now I install that versus like Security or versus iThemes because... WordFence automatically will protect you against these kind of things if you're caught with a site that has the plugins, and it will also notify you. So it's one of those like, yeah, this sucks, but it's as easy as upgrading. 
by clicking the button. And since you're sort of protected in most cases with WordFence, the answer is yeah. keep doing what you're doing. Use the WordFence plugin for free and enjoy the fact that there's a company out there moving at light speed to make cool stuff. So you think now that it doesn't have any sizable, the free product doesn't have any sizable performance here because no. um, when I last looked at it, that it seemed to have that. You, you think about the word pure, fence? Word fence yes, word fence, yeah. No, um, the only thing that I recommend you do with word fence for free, and this is kind of like one of those no big deals, go in and go into the email configuration and turn off the 8 million things it will email you about by default. So you only need to know like vulnerability super high or the site is definitely being hacked. Those two are good to have an email. But otherwise you will get like a thousand emails a day from them. So other than that minor issue, which takes two seconds, no big deal. So what do you recommend about this, John? Yeah, it does seem like... uh... There's a lot of these uh, add-ons that are vulnerable, and I, you know, it's 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 a, a really good reason to have some sort of uh, maintenance plan in place. You know, uh, w- whether it's somebody like WP Tonic or Atarium or you know any of these other services out there, but you know, unfortunately, like software is always being updated. And the the reason being is because people um, find these vulnerabilities. You know, your your computer at home uh, updates all the time, and your website is no different. So um, it's unfortunate that when you you're a big target like a, a plugin like Elementor, and there are these side vectors like these add-on plugins that attackers will try and find vulnerabilities in uh, these adjacent vectors. Uh, but using a security plugin, um, it will at least alert you to like what's going on. But having uh, someone that can update those plugins when on a regular basis and making sure that everything is up to date, it's a good way to go. So what do you reckon, Vito? Is there a conspiracy against Alamator? No, it's it's just a matter of uh, you know, like the, like the guys are saying, uh, software gets updated, the ecosystem changes all the time, and there's like a billion variations uh, within the within the space for uh, different plugins and their add-ons and the core and the stack and the server and the additional plugins that react to some of the other plugins and the user errors and the bad practices, you know, and the custom themes. And, you know, like there's a billion places where things can collapse. Uh, uh, regarding this, or uh, what I would like to kind of uh, mention is that this is a, uh, this is not this is not a hack. This is a vulnerability notice that you might get hacked. Uh, so um, so is that uh, uh, um, what is cool about the ecosystem is that it self corrects. So there is this there is this challenge of all of these variations within the system, and then there is companies like WordFence, like uh, WebArcs uh, that uh, now we branded. Uh, to, uh, to something I don't remember the new name, uh, you know, like uh, WP Scan, all of these uh, awesome security-based companies that uh, run these 
um, you know, investigations for us. Uh, so I've been subscribed to the World Fence uh, newsletter for a decade or so. Uh, and just so that I'm in the know, uh, I turn off all of the notifications on the websites, uh, as you're saying, Spencer, because uh, I don't need that. Uh, I don't need that mess in my life. Uh, but uh, I do read the, the, you know, the newsletter once a week when it comes out. So I know what to act That's on. What, okay. uh, and what they do is they, they allow you to fix the problem before it becomes a problem. And I think this yeah. is a smart thing to do. I actually found, I think, because the weeks are just merging recently, I'm not sure it was last week or the week before, that thing about PHP, where in the core PHP that somebody had injected, I found that more scary than anything. I think you did as well, Spencer, didn't you? I thought that was that was really quite scary, wasn't it? I mean, there's some plugins like the that are really useful, like the uh, Advanced File Manager, but... If you have one of those that has a problem, <laughs> you've kind of like left the keys to your house open with your, your passport, social security number, bank account all laying on the kitchen table. The door is open. The door is wide open. Yeah, at that point, you got to do a rollback. It's worth mentioning, by the way, for those that don't understand this, because this happens almost every day when I'm dealing with people. There was a time when using sandboxes or staging sites was in vogue. I think that that time has passed. I think the way that people should build sites now, yeah, here's why. Because almost all the sites we build are dynamically based. In other words, they function not because of what the style of the theme or the plugins or the CSS is, but rather because the interaction of the plugins and the users. So what we go is a model of fly the airplane, do the mechanics on the airplane while you're in the air, but make regular frequent backups on the fly. So if there's a problem, you do a time machine reversal to go back an hour and you lose only 60 minutes versus trying to pretend that you can simulate the reality of your dynamic website in a sandbox and then somehow yeah. move that over and merge it to the realities of a dynamic yeah. website. It's almost impossible. So for certain sites, maybe it makes no difference. Like if you have static... Well, it, depends, it depends on the support yeah, you, level. You can't, you can't do live updates in, in production. I mean, like if you've got clients on your site... You are, uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. It depends on the scale of the site. I, if you have an enterprise, obviously, sure, you're not going to pull that off. But if you have a site that has a couple thousand subscribers, WooCommerce, we, we do this up to five, six, ten thousand 10,000 people. Here's why. Because the thing that you're doing, if you do it in stages, like it's small little bites, it's very clear whether it works or it doesn't right away. And if it doesn't work, you just hit the reverse button. Maybe two minutes, three minutes, you're out. Uh, I agree with you, Heather. If you have 100 developers in an enterprise and like who did what, when, where, why, and you've done all these at once, that's a bad idea. But for many people, these are like small, small things. I'm putting it in. Really do, it, I, I agree with both of you, actually. It really, my experience is your spot on it in many ways there, Spencer. But it really, but on the, the reason why I agree, also agree with Heather, it depends on the support. There are some companies that we support where. It's not easy, but we do do the more traditional, but we're spending a lot of time on it, but it's still problematic. Where on most sites that, that you're talking about, Spencer, your your position is the is the better one in reality. So, Heather, you want to finish this off? Yeah, I mean, as far as, I mean, like... <laughs> I had one person, I mean, even on a small company, like her, the entire company was only 12 people and uh, just making one accidental change to a, uh, a Shopify's uh, shipping page 
or no, the code, the, 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 the discount code, like while she was at a conference and didn't have enough internet, like she put a check in, she put a code, cost the company a hundred thousand dollars before she was, before anybody was able to check. So like basically don't do live updates in production. <laughs> like this, this is a, this is a thing. Anyway. Yeah. That's if you have multiple, I, have methods, like, this one. I agree with Heather that like the biggest problem is whatever method you're using, like if you're using GitHub, right. And you're, and you're basically merging, it's really impossible with multiple developers to do any kind of live updates because it's, it's random happenstance who did what, when, where, why. So it's really the type of funnel you got. If you have like everything goes through one person who can watch and know what was done, then it's a little safer, clearly not, not always the case if you have a large scale operation. No, but it, it's a really, you know, but you are right. The reality is when you when you got a very dynamic website, you literally, uh, if it's public facing and they're making considerable money, the only way you can get around it is that you're literally going to put a splash screen and say we're in maintenance mode and they're not going to be happy with that. Yeah, because if you have... Because uh, like, they're losing money, so... Any, any SaaS company has a 99% SLA like written into their contracts, most likely, so you can't do that. Uh, you can't be down. But you try... Unless you're, you're going to spend a lot of time with with this particular area, you're on a substantial contract with... There yeah. we go. I mean, um, like but the small, people, the small people who come to, for, let's say, the the average Word WooCommerce developer or WooCommerce user or WordPress, they're they're really having a struggle to try to understand how to use the staging site properly and what to do because they go, "Oh, look, it looks so beautiful when we designed it in staging," and then, "Oh, wait a second. In the meantime, we changed the WooCommerce uh, product checkout experience, and four thousand people have already bought the product. How do we merge the staging changes to this?" It's like. Good luck. Now we got to go through a whole like database operation and stuff. So you know, different problems for yeah, different. It's been an ongoing problem. There, there's been a couple of companies. You know, a couple, one of them that I I do respect. They had a they had a go of trying to solve this problem, and they had to give up because their solution wasn't working. And there's been other people that have had a go at it. But I I don't know of any satisfactory solution. It, in a in a technical uh, engineering, it seems to be one of the hardest problems. Um, what I would suggest so, uh, around around what you're saying, uh, Spencer, and kind of finds the middle ground between Spencer and Heather here, uh, is what we do is we up we have a staging environment where we do the update. So we basically do the round twice. We do it there, we check everything, and then we deploy, well, not deploy, but then we just click update on the live website also. Uh, so you're kind of running, you're, you're duplicating your work, but uh, you're saving yourself a lot of headaches in the long run. Um, That's what we do. Depend, it really depends. John helps me with a couple of clients that we're on a stage higher than that, Vito, but they're paying, they're paying quite a lot of money, and John does it. Yeah, um, you know, helps me out a bit with those type of clients, and it's it's much more elaborate. Uh, um, um, but you get what you pay for, you know. But you know, um, it, yeah. Um, shall we got time for another story? Yeah, let's go for number four, and then we're we're we go for our recommendations and that. Um, Apple trust trust 
Pavivo? 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 For its tradings. Now, I, I think this is an ongoing problem, ladies and gentlemen. I, I know I have my pronunciation problems, but why don't you, if you've got a bloody company, name it something you can pronounce, can you? For God's sake, please do that. Um, <laughs> fine tradings, but maybe you should think twice. What do you... Um, you know, it starts with Spencer because you've had your ups and downs with Apple, haven't you, Spencer? Aren't you? Um, I thought this is interesting. Um, this doesn't really this this third party company doesn't really seem to gel with what Apple like to, to promote about themselves, do, do they? No. I mean, the downfall of Apple, in my opinion, has come from post Steve Jobs, where they lost track of their internal ethos. Compass, compass, I would say. Compass, if you will. But the idea is that the behavior in the last couple of years have been extremely anti-consumer in their nature and anti-right to repair and so forth. And even in the Apple genius bars, where I think the workers are well-intentioned, they're given a set of protocols that are essentially kind of like, take it or leave it, the options are always in favor of somebody having to pay double, triple what they would normally pay. In some cases, paying for things that weren't even their fault or wrong. And, and people who are advocates like this uh, Lewis Rossman, who I enjoy watching every day on a YouTube channel, he's a repair person in New York City who just shows how ridiculous Apple as a defective product, like the cable that is welded in now for the screen is too short, and they will do things like they'll give a limited uh, warranty replacement for, uh, let's say, one-year model, and yet the next two, three, four years, the same thing is done. They don't give those people the same benefit of doubt. Well, this is another example. You've got like $3 trillion of capital stashed away. You're outsourcing everything to sweatshops. You're not paying taxes. You're not making really super innovative stuff. And yet you're outsourcing now the core thing, which was you got a, a like a trade-in program that's supposedly being run by you, but you're allowing some shady named third parties to do it. And, Which is un- and you can't even pronounce the company's name. Phobio. You know? The point is, whether it's Phobio or another one, I just find this a disappointing example of how it seems like it seems like the companies with the most capital have now become these, again, monopolistic monoliths. There's 10 or so companies and founders that we, I was seeing another article about this, which is tangibly related. There's like 10 people in the world that have over $100 billion of wealth each. So their combined wealth of 10 people is a trillion dollars. And the point is that these are people that aren't getting taxed, aren't susceptible to the same rules as everyone else, and run companies that, like this, you go, what's the purpose of this? Like, why can't Apple afford to have its own trade-in program and do it in a reasonably, like, open and, and honest way because I do feel Steve Jobs was capitalist, but he would never risk his personal integrity and in getting caught with his hand in the cookie jar with stuff like this. You know? So Heather, what do you think? I'm just trying to get the mindset, you know, obviously you've got to keep control of costs. Obviously in a business, it's not, you know, you want to get, you want to get sales are important. Sales are the engine of a company. But also you've got to keep your costs under control. This this is basic 101 of running a business, you know. But 
what, what the fuck were Apple thinking of employing these tossers ever? Uh, well, honestly, <laughs> it's... So, I mean, honestly, I've had no trouble with my trade-ins for, for Apple products, but I always do it in the store where they do it, like, right there. And mm, um, as, as far as... As far as the shipping, um, it, I don't know if it's controlling costs at all because it it costs. I mean, they do free shipping both ways for the trade-ins. And like if you're shipping a computer to them uh, and then they're shipping it back to you, I mean, that, that's, that's a s- substantial cost right there um, that the company has to eat. Because, uh, I mean, that, there's like lithium battery costs that they have to pay on top of, of the shipping. Those, the boxes that they're putting them in are expensive. So... Um, I mean, I'm guessing that whatever, like when, when they're opening it up in their, their company and they, they have to wipe everything down. Cause I remember when I, when I trade them in, in person, they, they have a process where they, they take the, uh, wipes, they wipe things down, they make them clear. So if most of these complaints have to do with white spots, so perhaps it's, when, during this process, the, the investors—I mean, the investigators or QA people—are looking at them w- before they've completely dried, and they're saying there's white spots here because of the the infect disinfectant they're looking at, and then they send it back. So, I mean, I think that they just have to look at the QA process more um, for this particular company, and then just let let them go. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that that company is is being overly cautious and there has a problem with their QA process, but I don't think it has to do with cost because it's they're definitely eating a lot of profit out of that. All right, thanks for that. That's a great insight. Thanks for that, Eva. Um, I've had an experience with them recently where um, I had extended warranty on a MacBook Pro and I needed some repairs and... They wanted to charge. They still wanted to charge me a considerable amount of money. So I was polite, but I, I find that you got to, you know, I am with most people very polite. Um, but I, they got my very stern look, my my English stern look, Vito, and um, I put my foot down and said, "This doesn't really match my understanding of what I signed up." We had to go back to the manager. Oh, yes, you're right. We'll get it repaired. Come collect it. Still haven't been repaired. Another stern, very calm, very stern voice. Oh, we're going to have to, um, well, we cut the what we're going to charge you in half. All oh, right, that's fine. I'll be back in a few days. They keep sending me emails saying it's finished. Go back. Still not done. Oh, we won't charge you at all now. Very firm voice saying, oh, yeah, that's fine. And it, I was expecting the fourth time they were actually going to give me a new back. <laughs> but in the end, they managed to repair the thing. Um, so I'm getting the impression that um, the, they don't actually, they're losing track of, of what's going on in their own company. Uh, um, so that's my impression. Um, so um, let's go over, let's go to recommendations, um, the panelist recommendations. But before that, I want to mention a webinar that we are, that me and Spencer Forum are doing 
Um, and when are we doing that? That is a good question. Uh, um, blah, blah, blah. Let's have a look. Yep. Um, it's going to be Friday the 14th of May at 10.30 Pacific Standard Time. Um, I'm really looking forward to the series of webinars that I'm doing with Spencer. Spencer, can you quickly um, tell the listeners and viewers what we're going to be discussing on Friday the 14th of May? Your mood. Or I'm, maybe it's me. So that, was, that was like your dream come true, that I'd be moving my mouse, but no noise would come out. Um, we've been doing a three-part <laughs> series that we're converting from a webinar into a mini tutorial. So if you've joined us afterwards, you can already watch the first uh, episode, if you will, the first installment, which happened in April. Um, we're really showing people how to create a modern membership site on WordPress using the stack of components that you know, follow this new method, which is, yes, we've got 250,000 things to choose from, but really there's a core six to 10 components that are all really curated, work together, work with marketing automation. If you follow this method, it's much like Lego blocks. You'll have a foundation onto which whatever you choose to build in the future can go up to the sky. The first installment was how to identify the stack of plugins. The second we're doing in May is how to configure that stack and snap them together in a way that is not old-fashioned, that requires specific plugins that are accessories, but rather uses all the plugins in their lane connected with tags and other automation things like fields. And if you want, you can watch the first video for free. Give your name so you'll get the link to come to the second event in May. And then that'll be published. And then we'll do the third event. And all of this will then be available as a free download anyway. But what we're trying to do is to introduce people to some of the free tools and how to do things so that you don't end up with one of two problems. Either shiny ball syndrome, which is, oh my God, there's 250,000 things I could choose from. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Or the Frankenstein monster, which is I put in that old membership plugin that I used to love. And guess what? It just ran into all the other plugins in the parking lot and made a big mess. And now what do I do? So I encourage everybody to do so. There won't be any spam or any follow-up. And this is a, a stream yard, which worked really well. So unlike Zoom and so forth, you're given your email just so we can send you the links. And if you want, you can tell us to bugger off. But in the meantime, it's not like a high commitment thing. It's obviously the videos are going to be there. It's just if you want to get the notice of when it's live so you can show up on YouTube and start typing questions and stuff. I think that's great. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think it's going to be a great discussion. All right, so let's go to our recommendations of the week. Um, mine's um, a cheap way of, um, or a quick way of getting uh, a one-click out checkout experience with WooCommerce. They approached me, they showed me what they got to offer. They actually, um, today, they should have um, publicly declared that Automatic is investing in them, actually. Um, that's what the founder told me was going to be announced. That's Peach Bay. Uh, um, I have a link um, it looked pretty interesting to me. Go and have a look at it. Um, Vito, have you got anything you want to recommend to yes. the listeners? I'll bring you back to what we started with without the uh, without bringing things down. But uh, I shared uh, a few products by Idea Box, a, a power pack for Beaver Builder, power pack for Elemental. That uh, following up on the WordFence article has been patched since uh, this discovery. Uh, WP Formify, which is a great kind of little widget for the corner of the screen that uh, tells people uh, that they bought, how many people are watching 
currently, um, Creates FOMO, really, and uh, as well as DiviMonk, which is uh, like uh, templates and uh, um, kind of structures for uh, Divi. So, um, yeah, um, support the team, support the, uh, the family of the founder, and, um, and these are great products anyway uh, that I managed to use on a bunch of websites. Formify is something that we use with a bunch of clients. PowerPack for Elementor as well. So go for it. Yeah, make sure you put the link into yeah. Slack, Vito. Then I, I, oh, in I, Slack. I need to log into Slack. Slack. No, you need to log. Unfortunately, I, it doesn't give me a copy on yeah. this particular platform. Um, Spencer, you got anything you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers? Yeah, for anybody who wants to build a website, there's a new company. It's called Wix. <laughs> uh, no, just kidding. Actually, I want to say that I had a chance to revisit Canva.com. Melanie Perkins oh. created this company a while back. She's a really, really dynamic person and was well known for making this thing that is for those who don't make graphics their main business, it's a tool that at first it was a little janky and it was a little rough-edged, but they're a company that has gone really, really far. Here's why I want you to do, go visit it. I'm creating new assets for the WP Launchify. There are tools that I use locally that everybody knows about, you know, your Photoshops and your blah, 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 and your drag and drop. But when I went to Canva, it's free to use, or you can get a free sample of the premium. And I'm not a big fan of the premium, but here's where it kicks together. When you want to make really clever stuff that has all the, remove the background and throw in a, a you know, a, a light, a royalty-free image, and you want to make the shape, all of a sudden, they've, over five years or whatever, magically got just the right combination of stuff that I can honestly say, as a cynical user of every possible tool, it, honest to God, made the job 50% to 100% easier than using my normal array. So if you got to make stuff like for your new website that's going to use Elementor or it's going to use Divi or whatever, you still need the the core assets, the background images and the, the various things. And you need to put your brand kit together. Try it. Try, go back, try the free, I don't know, it's free, but you can try the free premium for whatever it is a month. They're very generous. I was shockingly surprised in a good way. So oh, That's fantastic. Thanks yeah. for that. John, got a uh, recommendation to the listeners and viewers? Yeah, this is uh, from our friends at Crunchy Links. This is an article on how to find backlinks. I, d- I just love that name, Crunchy Links. It's a great name. It's it's easy, uh, memorable. Uh, but this is an article. Uh, Vito, I, find- I, hope you, I hope you are taking notice of that, Vito. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Is that crunchy? Like, uh, it's like Led Zeppelin. It yeah, doesn't mean anything yes. until it does means only that, you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, but an article on how to find backlinks to your site uh, gives you five different ways to kind of figure that out. And then you can uh, figure out what your link gap is and, and how to uh, go about getting some links to your site. It's just a joyous process, isn't it, John? Oh, totally. <laughs> totally joyous process. Lovely, jubbly. Um, Heather, um, got anything you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers? Yeah, so um, I know a lot of the WordPress people are using WordPress uh, as their their site, but they, they have people that are developing it for them. So um, Integromat is a, a great uh, app for um, create. It's like Zapier, but um, it allows you to create 
um, connections to all sorts of different things on the internet. Um, so like if you have your Google Sheets um, and I mean, if you want to create like a database for your WordPress site, or um, if you want to send SMS messages to people that have signed up to your contact form, um, you can create all these scenarios. And there's there's all sorts of templates of things that people have already created. Um, and it's uh, a lot cheaper to use than Zapier. So, um, and there's a lot more integrations that that you can have. So uh, te- check out Integramat. Yeah, I'll vouch for the fact that we use Integramat for um, our onboarding and um, one of the... The project plans, because what it does do, as Heather alluded to, is it allows you to, let's say, create a database of stuff and it will assemble it together into either a Google document or a PDF. And I don't believe we could find any way to do that with Zapier. So it was it's really powerful. Isn't that what your company does, though, Spence? No. What's that? Isn't that what Fusion does? No, what I mean to say is like, let's say I'm having an interview with somebody. I have a form that I ask a bunch of questions about the person, the company, so forth. I type in answers. We take that data, we send it through Integramat. Integramat then decides on conditionals, puts that into a Google Doc that has the places or into a PDF. And what's interesting is it works with the logic of your Gravity Forms fields in a way that depending on what I type and how I type it, assembles all the pieces at the other end. So it's like literally a factory to build the final report where I don't have to go back and copy paste or do anything. And I, I wasn't able to figure out how to do that with Zapier. So That's good. Yeah, it is it's neat. Amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing, really, isn't it? You yeah. Know, more logic in, in, in the process. And it's, it's a drag and drop thing to create. And also, like, if you have any trouble, they have a great community of people that is like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I need to put this to this. This is what I'm trying to do, and then like people are like, "Oh yeah," da, 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 and then done. Just to just to finish off, panel um, before we end the show. What did you think of Boston's um, robot, whatever they call themselves? Um, they're the uh, the police dog, um, the canine robot. What did you oh. think of that one, Spencer? You know, it was interesting. A lot of people were commenting who had never seen it before. But I also saw the interview with the founder of Boston Dynamics, unrelated to that. A couple of things is that if you watch, the guy who's controlling the robot is walking along with the radio controller. So it's kind of like, you know, if you have a radio control truck or car, it's not like the dog is really independent. Nevertheless, if it was your first time seeing it and you see it walking around with a bunch of body armored cops, everybody immediately went to like, this doesn't look so good, right? Like this is... Because they're all, you know, the cops are good guys, I'm sure, but they're all sort of flexy looking, like, check out the new toy we got to hassle you in your home. And I think that's where the problem with all this is going, is that there's a there's a huge PR problem from the Hollywood past and the current state of police behavior that, boy, oh boy, they can't come out with more toys to, to do stuff to human beings until they figure out the rest of how regular human cops are dealing with human beings. You know what I mean? That's the, the concern I have, is this is just taking so a, to a new level yeah. of, holy shit, like, are these going to start shooting people on site now, like the real police are? So. I thought Heather, you know, Heather's our technologist. Um, Heather, I just, thought, I just thought it was like a, a Pandora box moment where you, you really could see a really, really very ugly future if we go down a certain road. You could... You really, in those few two minutes of video, these coppers with their new toy are um, 
just lovely, lovely job, Lee. So, um, anyone that has Netflix, check out the episode of Black Mirror, uh, yeah. Metalhead. Um, yeah. And uh, it talks about, the, I mean, it, 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 it'll give you a dystopian version of what happens. But uh, I, I, can't, I, I actually work with uh, a company that makes these, uh, I mean, not, not Boston Dynamics, although we do, uh, do work with those two. But like in, in my work with the military, we, we work with these dogs. So I can't really talk it's too much about it. <laughs> this might not be a great idea ever. No, I, I honestly, so these, like the, they, the dogs are being used in, in places that humans can't go and they're saving a lot of lives. So, I mean, I, my, my perspective on it is they're great. Um, I mean, like, just think of all of the lives that are being saved in Afghanistan and Syria and places like that, where like before we had to send humans in to like see if there was a, a landmine and now we can send these robot dogs in to test and and it's uh yeah I'm sure I'm, I knew you were going to say this, Eva, and I'm, uh, you're saying it very sincerely, but I think you're being very naive, Eva, yeah. mostly naive. The, the, the problem is the cost factor. Sorry. Right now, the, the New York City one, many of the comments that besides the police behavior part of it, and Heather is very sincere, and I believe that yeah. her opinion is valid. I wouldn't discount that, but I do feel it's all contingent upon the motive of the officers using it. And so when they talked about the budgetary thing, though, the people were saying right now, New York City's in a crisis where you can't afford like a decent bed in a shelter for a homeless person or you can't afford food for kids who go to school because they put the kids families on the debt system. And yet they could spend whatever it is, seventy five thousand or one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars on a robot dog. What cost a human life, though? So if you if you send a robot dog in there just to check out a room instead of sending an armed policeman that might accidentally shoot their gun. So the invalid use, which is in this case, it looks good if you look at the bright side of the coin. But if you look at the flip side of the coin, which is a is there's a fixed budget. What priorities should the budget be spent on when there's obviously deficits and lots of human services? And B, even if it's used for police work, what if you get one of those cops from like NYPD Blue that has a bad day and uses it to, you know, do something nefarious, which is going to happen. We know it's going to happen because that's why the police are running around with these $3 million body armor budgets and AK-47s. It's not because every shootout is like the movie Heat. It's because they see a 13-year-old kid and they gun him down as soon as he raises his hands. So and I want to make you clear. Think of them. Think of them like the Malps in Stargate SG One. They're sending these dogs in ahead to see if there's anything that they need to do, and they're keep they're staying behind, and it's allowing them to have a clear head where they're not. They haven't been now. But I'm not saying this one incident. No. I'm saying look at the incidents like the the cases where the police went to the wrong address, the wrong apartment. Knocked down the door, shot the lady. But they're not going to have their guns. They're going to send the the melt in ahead of time. I'm saying you're, I'm not saying the word naive. That's Jonathan's. I'm saying it would be naive for anyone. I want to clarify that. That's not the next step. Can I just butt in? Because I want to clarify this. I I meant this. um, Heather's one of the most intelligent um, women I know. Um, So um, I mean that. I use the word naive not as a... a no, no, uh, I, I know uh, I know what you're saying. 
And, but I mean, the thing is like, I've been in these trainings for these officers that are getting these, I mean, and, and like, you don't get one if, I mean, everything is like, this is like, you don't get one if you're going to use it in a bad way. It's like, this is, this is the the forward. I really, I really feel, and it must be, I'm just going to let Vito John see if they want, I really feel Heather that, that is, Today, that's true. Tomorrow, it won't be. You know, there's that spring. That, I understand. I totally understand why you're saying that, Heather, but I, I just think it's crazy talk. I've got to be honest with you, Heather. I think it, it really is Pandora's box waiting. And if you feel that this won't be used to really, for terrible purposes, um, it's totally well, bonkers. So what are, it, are really, we, it really what is. What are the terrible purposes? Like, I mean, and and it will be used. It will be used to oppress and kill women, children, and in the end, and uh, it sounds ridiculous in a way. In the end, it could be a, a threat to the human condition. It it really is totally bonkers. Heather. How much worse? than in China right now or in UK right now where there's cameras everywhere. <laughs> well, they're, 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 they're kill you, though. These are independently able, not fully automated or autonomous, but close to fully autonomous. Soon they may be connected to being AI autonomous, but they're semi-autonomous, capable of movement and traversing, whereas the cameras are a problem in themselves, but they're fixed devices for monitoring. The difficulty I get is that every kind of tool that had initially a good purpose has been distorted into a tool for evil. Even something I was going to suggest like that spray foam that we use in construction to fill the spaces between the wall studs. They've been using it in a military sense where they spray crowds with it. And if you've ever seen how this works, you get coated with it and then it expands. And the people who got sprayed with this basically get locked down or their faces covered. Unfortunately, they discovered it worked so freaking awesome on crowd control that they want to use it, but four out of five people suffocated because it covered their face. And yet they're still testing it. The point is more of why do police officers need tools that go beyond the psychology or the human interaction level? And if they do that, what stops it from going to the beyond today's stage of it just being used to look at a bomb? We've always seen robots that do bomb control that they drive in there to look at the bomb. Why do they need a dog that can open the doors and sometimes have a gun in the future to go do dirty work? Because there'll be armies of them. We all know there will be. I mean, that's not even science fiction. I, I would much rather have a, a programmer like a, a, that is controlling a, a robot dog than a person that is not thinking clearly that will shoot a 13-year-old. But why can't the person with the remote dog just press the gun? Now he's detached from the kid. It's a lot easier, yeah. It's a lot it's like easier. Video. Kill that kid with the robot dog. I mean, it's just the same thing. Extended. It, it's not. It, yeah, and and it's not even the tools. It's the system. It doesn't matter like what tools the police have. It's not that they're not clear headed. It's that they lie. The lady that shot the one kid, like, oh, I thought it was a taser. It's a lie. The system is there to kill black and brown people. And they will yeah. use whatever tools are available. I That's wanted, the system. Uh, Vito, fair enough, John, but Vito, 
Recently, the Metropolitan Police broke up a group of women that were complaining about a woman that was raped and murdered in Clapham, and they decided if they had a, a, these police dogs, what, what, how well do you think the Metropolitan Police would do? I don't think they would get this stuff into the UK. Like, there is really, um, you know, you see banners on, on uh, police cars against knives, you know, there are no guns. Police, policemen have no guns. Uh, and I think that's the right approach. Coming from a country that everyone has a gun. I had a gun for three years while I was in the army, always with you. An M16 always on hanging on you when I was 18. It's crazy thinking back, you know. Uh, but uh, so I'm all for no guns. Get them out of the way. Like, uh, you know, sometimes you don't need aggressive tools. You know, like you're just creating more of a problem by escalating the situation. I see that in in protests all over the world. Uh, um, and, you know, I can even give an example from the from the UK when I first moved. In, in, in Israel, the, the police is, uh, is uh, very, very similar to the police in the States in, the, in their mindset. It's pretty aggressive in the way that they do things, you know. Uh, and uh, but in the UK, it's really not like that. And when I first came here, I was busking. You know, I was playing in the street and uh, just making some money when I when I was uh, just just got into the country. Yeah, we get some great comments here from the viewers. Um, Ever Daniels points out, Ever they're using, and I agree. I think they were using this particular example. It had a they were using it for a political message ever clearly in my opinion and it was to in uh, it was to intimidate residents in that particular area where they were they were already using it for evil intent ever even started ever and far as I was concerned the whole it was staged as Spencer pointed out but it was staged to intimidate those people, Heather. It was quite it was quite clear to me, Heather. I, I don't know if I would go as far as what uh, uh, John is saying. And like, you know, there's kind of a middle ground uh, between between the two aspects, uh, I think. But but uh, uh, but really, it's a mentality uh, decision. It's a policy decision. How you approach those different uh, those different, uh, uh, you know, court aggressive situations or charged situations. If you are there to create more stress over it, then you're just going to bring out hell from, from the other side. To be, fair, to be fair to Heather, this is very difficult because all technology, genetics, nuclear power, they can be, you know, we can get great benefit. But I just, I just feel when this particular area, Heather, the reason why I'm, I'm a bit harsh is I think it's just a freaking nightmare, Heather. It's so such a it, it's so clearly a really crappy idea, and it you know to me that it's gone beyond that that difficult choice with a lot of technology has ever. Well, so I mean, my the the my personal mission statement, like everything that I do, is to make the world more like yeah. Star Trek than Skynet. And I, I mean, I'm I'm trying to actively make the world not like. I mean, I don't want Robocops and Terminators going around this planet. So, like, if I'm telling you that I'm working with the people that are making these robot dogs, <laughs> then then like I know 
that I'm helping to make sure that the trainings for the officers, that the trainings for the, the army around the world, that the, the people that are using them, like it's all about the ethics of the operators. So if the people that are using them are ethical in their use, then they will be ethically used. Initially. And, but the people that use them will then continue to train them and the training and what's because the robots themselves are agnostic. There's nothing about them. We're, we're seeing in Georgia and other political places, that's how we started the show. That's not how it works. The problem is that one police department that gets training is ethical. Then it gets sold to another police department that appears because they want the dog. Oh, yeah, we'll follow your rule. Sure. Next thing you know, it's Boss Hog and the boys are sending the dog down to hassle uh, dark-colored people because that's what we're living in is a world where we're in 2021. I love, by the way, your example, that you want the world to be like Star Trek instead of Skynet. I feel the same way. But we're also living in a world where the people living in 1890 are still roaming amongst us. And it's like 49% of America seems to feel like they want to go back to slavery or something. And that's why it goes back to my point about how the corporations are going together and saying, we will not do business with you. I mean, you're right if in that sense. If we ride on the moral positions of American corporations, Heather, we are so fucked up that we have no future because they, the only freaking morality they've got is the color green. And if anybody thinks any different... Honestly, I mean... But, but Jonathan, like, we are a capitalist world. And yeah. I don't think that there's anything wrong with capitalism. I have, I have Christian principles, Heather, that I won't cross. Okay, dude. Um, they the, don't. The, they, they're the just leaders. a mindless, they're just a mindless, okay. a mindless organization. No, that conscious capitalism. Purpose. Conscious capitalism is a, like the Quakers, uh, like Cadbury, fat, like, I mean, they are, uh, you don't have to have. You can be an ethical capitalist. There is nothing wrong. The problem, problem is that you can have just a few that are not, and that's that's where the whole thing just collapses. And, and that's and why we have to band together. I mean, even in the Star Trek universe, there was the Borg, and then the, you know, there's Ferengi, the, the, the Federation. So the Ferengi. So the point is, I think what we really need to accept, and this is part of that conversation, is. The world, the universe, the spiritual world even is never going to be everybody's good or everybody's evil. I think there is the yin and the yang. And the conversation really comes down to what are the ethics of introducing something that escalates the, the fight into another level of technology? Because we do have some choices about whether that's acceptable to begin with. Like we talk about AI, we're going to all have to deal with AI showing up everywhere now. And as soon as it gets into AI mixed with genetics, Aren't we right back to like eugenics in 1939 and all that conversation again? And now with racism. So we keep going on this circular thing. Everybody moves the technology up a notch. And we have to talk about why half of the people are, are, are on the dark side and half the people are on the light side. I mean, even, even with the Borg, like, the, like in, in Star Trek, there's the Borg, but they're in balance with everyone else. Like they, they are assimilating, but they're assimilating like... But for it, their it, own... For their yeah. own ethical philosophy. Oh, I, think, I, think we, I think we'll wrap this up there. Heather, you've been, uh, I do admire your position. I've given you a hard time, Heather. You dealt with it really very graciously. 
I do appreciate you coming on the show, Heather. I wasn't picking on Heather. Um, um, I I fundamentally disagree with Heather's position, um, but I respect. You know, it's. Uh, I do respect your position, Heather. Um, I just think you want to watch that um, that episode of the Black of, Mirror. Yes, the Black Mirror a few more times, Heather. That's what I suggest. We're going to wrap it up now, folks. Thanks for your contributions. I think it's been a fantastic show. Um, we'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week. 